We all know that the last couple of years have been extremely difficult for our kids and uh, pressures on their mental health. But there's been some particular challenges for kids who are in special needs classes. Chrissy Sadowski is regional fund and volunteer coordinator for Autism Ontario in South Region in Ontario. Chrissy is also the parent of a child with autism. And she's coming on the show today to talk to me about what the challenges have been for her and for her son, Darius. Hi, Chrissy. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Janice. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, I want to, I've wanted to talk about um, autism spectrum disorder for a while. And um, you are two things. One is you have a new job with Autism Ontario, which is very cool. Fund development and volunteer coordinator for South Ontario. Yeah. So that's very cool. And as well, you have um, an autistic child, Darius, who I've met. Um, Not for a while, obviously, because of COVID. But um, let's talk first about autism spectrum disorder. I've had a couple of people recently say to ask me, what does it mean? And they're asking me because, you know, they know I'm involved in mental health and so on. And because I think mental health is becoming so prevalent, such a prevalent uh, conversation with kids, people are now saying, oh, well, I've kind of heard of autism, but what's this spectrum disorder? What does this spectrum mean? So can you answer that question just in in a way that people will be able to, you know, take a bite-sized chunk of? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I just recently heard this phrase, and I think it's probably the best thing I've ever heard. And it's, if you know one person with autism, you know one person with autism. And I say that because... Often in life, right, if you have a family member who has, let's say, diabetes, and then you find out that your friend's kid has diabetes, instantly you relate to that, right? The challenge with autism spectrum disorder is that there isn't that connection there because the spectrum is so huge, right? So you could be a fully functioning adult living on your own, holding down a job, having a family and be on the spectrum. Or you could be similar to Darius, who's 11 years old and mentally too, and basically incapable of doing anything for himself. And I mean, if those aren't two extreme <laughs> ends of the spectrum, literally, then, then I, you know, I don't know what is. So I think it's important to remember uh, for all people that, that you do have this wide, wide range of communication, sensory, and just because you know, somebody seems like they're, they're functioning in normal society doesn't mean that they're not overwhelmed by different sensory emotions, or uh, maybe you have to repeat a question, or maybe they do have social and communication difficulties or challenges, but they're still, they're still able to communicate with you, right? So it's really accepting, it's accepting all of it. And, um, being open to understanding and not saying, well, my neighbor's kid has it. So I totally understand what you're going through. Mm, Probably not actually. And that's, that's the challenge I think that comes along with ASD is that you, you don't necessarily understand just because you know somebody. Well, there's a a whole combination of, of things that, like you say, like it could be um, a certain level of of sensory overload, um, but really great language socialization skills. uh, And it's actually 
pretty much the same way with um, with any mental health issue. So with depression, for example, you can't say I'm depressed, you're depressed. Okay, we're exactly the same. There will be similarities and crossovers, but because every person is different, I think that, um, and correct me, uh, it seems to me that for, for people with autism, maybe the hardest place to be is at the early parts of the, and I'm not going to say low end because I know land, low end, higher end um, functioning and so on. That's not the way you want to look at it anymore. But people who have, I don't know, would mild autism be a way of describing it where there's some social awkwardness. Um, there's maybe some detachment. And so people just think you're weird. Yeah. That's actually something that I've said uh, that, as a parent, when Darius was four and having a tantrum in the mall, I was a bad parent, but now right. at 11 and he's a small, the size of a small man and he has a tantrum in the mall. I mean, we don't go to the mall cause COVID, but you know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> yes. If, if he has a tantrum in the mall, it's okay. Something's wrong with him. Right. When we walk into the grocery store and he's screaming and waving his hand, not crying, but just screaming. And everybody turns to look at you and he's the size of me almost. There's a different understanding than when he was four years old. So I've, as, as a parent who, who has a child with many challenges, I have felt my heart has gone out to parents uh, or, or even young adults or adults Exactly like you said, okay, well, you're just weird. Well, that's not, that's not fair either. And, and we, need, we need a better understanding, right? Because not everybody has to come out and say, hey, I, I'm autistic or- um, We're a sign. And, and, this, and this, is why, this is why you think I'm weird, right? Like, and not to, not to change the subject, but we talk a lot about this you know, with cancer and mental health, right? That's often the parallel. But as somebody who has MS and sometimes I, you know, I lose my balance. My first thought, especially if I'm out is, you know, I'm not drunk. Right. Right. Yeah. So what is it about society in general that we have to like almost stand up for ourselves and say, Hey, Hey, you know, I'm on the spectrum or, Hey, I have MS or, or, Hey, I, I have depression. <laughs> You know, like, why, why do we have to tell people? Why can't we just be, you know, more inclusive and accepting? But that's my pie in the sky, like hope and dream, I guess. We're getting better, at least. Um, at least we can. Uh, and, and honestly, I think that this is one thing that COVID has helped. And a lot of people in the mental health field talk about a silver lining of COVID. And that silver lining is that we're talking a lot more about mental health and people with severe anxiety or panic disorder or depression or bipolar disorder, whatever it is, um, are not being like, oh, don't come near me or oh, I can't believe that about you. People are actually interested in what's going on in your life. But, but, they, but the MS and, and losing your balance and people thinking you're drunk is, is a really, really good example of uh, because you look 100% healthy, active, and I know you're an active person um, and it's not something that people would be able to relate to. But it's going to be very hard for, I think it is hard for people to say, um, in, in, um, in terms of autistic people that 
it's, I mean, how do people decide between weird and someone with um, autism? Or we, do we just say, it doesn't matter if you're weird for whatever right. reason that we think you're weird. It doesn't matter. You know, that got me thinking recently about a campaign that I want to start and I want to start a not so normal campaign, right? Because what does that even mean? Just because you have nothing on this list, whether it's autism, MS, cancer, depression, you're normal. And also give me a break. <laughs> we all have something, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know where, what, what we have to change. And I, I think that our, our kids, I'm hopeful that our kids are going to, it's going to start to change with our kids because, you know, kids like D and then kids, not so much like D are integrated into the classroom. And I, and I hope, I mean, we hear those horrible stories of, and nobody wanted to, to come to my birthday, but that's not in all the, on all, in all cases, right? I was at the arena when hockey was open and I was doing laps with Darius. Well, one of my kids was on the ice and we walked by these kids playing hockey in the hallway. And all of a sudden I heard, Hey, Darius. Well, the kid goes to Darius's school. I almost started crying. Who just says hi to Darius? Adults do, but not another kid. And I know it sounds silly, but those, those are the kids where the change is going to happen. Right. All the kids who have frequented my home as siblings, I've had a few kids who've left my house crying, right? They, they can't handle it. He's really loud. But I have like other kids who walk in and it's like, hey, Xavier, hey, Kanan, hey, Darius. Like nothing. And I'm not saying make sure you say hi to him, right? Darius doesn't even care that you said hi to him, <laughs> right? He's running by you full speed. But I, I appreciate it. Right. And I appreciate and I think that the change is going to come with the next generation. And I, even in terms of mental health, Janice, like things even like therapy is becoming so normalized with our kids. Right. And like all three of my kids have gone to therapy and it's not a hidden like whereas with me, it was like, OK, I think I'm going to start therapy with my kids. I was like, hey, you're starting therapy just like you have an orthodontist appointment. You have a therapy appointment. Yeah. So yeah. this change is happening, right? Yeah. You hear adults even saying, oh God, I was at my, I was at my therapist last week and uh, he or she said, and it just seems like so every day now. Um, now let's talk about school because you just brought that up. And that's one of the things I've been thinking about because um, what, what type of a class does, does Darius go to? I guess maybe more um kids wherever they are on the spectrum go to different levels of school. So some kids, obviously, they're going to regular class, if we're going to call it that. And other kids are going to, to special needs classes. Um, what has it meant for, for Darius and, and, then, and kids in general who are in the special needs class area um, to have gone through COVID and potential virtual learning? I mean, from what I've read, in classes has continued, but it's been kind of on a who can and who can't basis and then some virtual and, and, you know, all kids are having trouble. Absolutely. You know, and it must be much harder. I would think for kids who are going to any, you know, any child who's in a, in a special needs um, situation. Yeah. So I can really only speak for the DSBN directly because that's who we're attached to. Uh, the Catholic board, I know there's been some different, it depends 
right on your situation and your kids. So I don't want to speak on behalf of any of the families who attend there. Uh, in Darius's case specifically, he attends a communications class. So these are kids who can't be integrated into the regular classroom. Uh, they have access to movement rooms, sensory rooms, snoozlin rooms, uh, and have a lot of one-on-one -on -one attention. So for example, in Darius's case, he can't do any transition without, he has to have two people with him for every transition because he's such a flight risk and he's so large. Um, in his case, there's no, absolutely no online learning, right? There's no possibility. He wouldn't even, I don't even think he would uh, understand uh, what's happening. So in Darius's case, he had to go to the classroom. There has been twice now. So it was those three days, the Wednesday to the Friday of last week, he was allowed to attend school from 9 a.m. to noon. And then uh, there was a chunk last year where he was allowed to go from 9 a.m. to noon, which makes me laugh because I'm like, oh, you can't get COVID in the morning, but in the afternoon <laughs> you can, so they send you home. I never like fully understood the concept behind the three, the three hour day, but the three hour day was welcomed because uh, having him home was horrible. And I don't mean in terms of, I mean, for him, right? The boredom, uh, especially if we're all working or we're online or, and then uh, we actually all got COVID over Christmas break. So everything intensified for us in terms of, you can't even go for a walk. Right. Um, it, it, uh, <laughs> it's almost comical. Like today is the first day I'm alone in my house. And uh, since December 17th, and it just, I, I, uh, I don't know how some parents whose kids can't do online, but weren't welcome back to the school. I have no idea how they did it, especially if they were working. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, the, where the school drew the line and, you know, that's, so I, I mean, I even understand it was potentially from classroom to classroom where it was, you know, different criteria and, um, and so on. So, what is a typical day like for you with Darius? I mean, you mentioned going to the grocery store. So oh, I don't though. That was old. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Does Matt no. do all your shopping? Um, so we welcome the online like superstore app, the PC like oh, yeah. uh, we've been doing that long before COVID. Uh, it's just, it's become such a routine for us to, we basically have the same grocery order every week. And uh, that, that's that for us. Uh, as Darius has gotten older, I'll be honest, things have gotten harder because we, we, he cannot be alone, period, full stop, cannot, and by alone, I mean, in a room by himself, because okay. um, he, he can, he can destroy anything, um, and when he's bored, he's climbing, he's trying to, he loves water, so your dog water is empty, um, we have special tap turnoffs underneath that have to be turned off every single time you use the kitchen sink. We have baby door handles on every single door, um, because he, we don't want him going into his siblings room and like, you know, breaking their like amazing Lego set or touching their electronics. Um, our house is dirty. And I don't mean that as in, I don't clean. I mean, like in the summer, Darius has a dirt pit, but he also loves water. If Darius gets into the dirt pit, gets into the house and gets into a tap and then shakes his string, uh, there's dirt on the walls. Right. Um, 
he loves to climb. I'm so I'm often, often, I'm always disinfecting like my kitchen counters before I cook and stuff. Um, but I also believe this is part of the reason I know I said we all had COVID, but this is part of the reason why we really don't get sick. <laughs> you, know, you know what? You know what? As a step sideways from this, I am positive that the reason so many children have allergies, and when I went to school, like maybe there was a kid with an egg allergy from you know grade one until grade three. It's because we went to the park, we ate dirty sand and licked the and licked yeah. the swing set. Right? Yeah. Um because I do, I do believe that. I do believe that there's that kind of exposure. So is it's, Darius it's your lining? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is Darius your eldest or the second? He's the third. He's the third. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so like a day for us, Darius wakes up. Um, we get him out of bed. We give him a bath because so he has to wear. Uh, he wears diapers to bed. So he has to wait, uh, have a bath every morning, uh, which he loves the bath. So that's because he loves water. Yeah. Um, he eats. If it's a school day, he'll go to school. If it's not, um, we generally, uh, this, I'm sure people will be judging, but we turn on the TV for him. There are very specific um, like baby shows with like nursery rhymes and stuff that he loves. Uh, so that's on in the background for him if he wants to sit, but often, you know, he's running laps and um, in the summer, it's also very different. The winter is very hard for us because he, he has some, um, oh my gosh, I just blanked on the word. Oh, very high pain tolerance. So if he were to go outside, he wants to take out his gloves off, uh, but doesn't understand that maybe he's past the threshold of like where it's safe. So we're, we're not comfortable. Um, we have to be very careful uh, taking him outside in the winter. I believe the teachers at school are just on rotation, putting gloves on. Uh, we actually had this conversation the other day, if we like duct tape his gloves to his jacket, but then I think he'll be miserable. So, right. uh, so that's challenging. Um, the summer is much better for us. We have a swimming pool, like an above ground, so he can stand in the whole thing. We purposely put it in for him. Um, he has a dirt pit uh, that he plays in the dirt because he loves it so much. Um, he loves music. And um, yeah, and like sometimes the days are really great and sometimes they're long and hard. But for the most part, he's a very happy child. And how are the other kids? I've, I've seen videos and, you know, we're friends on Facebook. And, um, and so I see videos of your kids and, and, uh, and everybody is interacting in, in different ways. And I'm sure that they've all grown up with Darius and, and with Darius's needs and, you know, behaviors and so on. Are they at the stage now where you say, for example, you can't leave Darius alone in a room. Can one of the other kids be in the room with him? And, um, has it, has it meant something that, that made their life different? Yeah. So my oldest, so Xavier, um, he and Darius are very close. Like often you'll hear Xavier whispering in his ear, like, you're my best friend. I love you so much. Um, I can leave them together. If I'm, if we're in the home, we would never leave them together and leave the house, but I'll give you an example. I was on the round table the other day, Matt was in a meeting. So I said, guys, I really want to go on the round table. Can you watch Darius for 20 minutes? 
Um, this is where we're at in terms of the toilet, food. You know, you kind of go over the checklist. Everything's locked down. If he poops, call me, <laughs> right? If he, That's always kind of our, okay, well, we know if we're walking away and, and that's the emergency that we would have to go. Um, but also everybody's really understanding all of our meetings are working from home. People get it. So uh, ex- we're very lucky uh, that Xavier and Darius have such a close relationship. Um, Sophia, who's eight, you can see that the empathy has come from having Darius. Like she works with Kit, like she has a friend in her class who I believe is on the spectrum and she'll come home and be like, oh, today I read to her and today I had this. And so I'm watching that empathy grow in Sophia. And I think it's because of Darius. And I see that with the kids' friends as well. Um, My second child has a bit more trouble with Darius and we're working on that. But he also has some challenges. So I think sometimes that it's just, it's a bit harder to process, right? And Darius loves cause and effect. So picture the tickle me Elmo. You push the, you push the stomach, the Elmo reacts, right? It sings you a song. So if Darius wraps his arm around you and you scream, you've given Darius what he wanted. So that's what we have to explain to our kids. Like, if you give him a reaction, he's going to keep doing that because he got what he wanted. It's not. Oh, malicious. I see. We're saying you don't say, "Okay, I'm going to scream" because that makes him feel better and makes him happy. It's don't don't give him don't, the idea that because that's then the, because he doesn't know how strong he is. Right. Right. So with my second son, Darius will kind of jump on him and he'll react. And we're saying, "Okay, we need to 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 deal with this in a different way because." He's getting a reaction out of you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's getting a reaction out of you. So he wants to like wrap his arms around you and grab you, right? But he doesn't know how big and strong he is. So that's been interesting as we've gotten, as time has gone on and he's gotten older and bigger because he's bigger than both of my boys, even though he's the third. Huh. Um I don't know why I'm saying, huh, because that's, that's not unusual, right? I was, I was taller than my older brother, I think, until he was 16 and I was right. 14, right? So um, now tell me about your, your other career that you've just become certified. You were doing leadership training, I believe, and you've now moved that into an area that I think is a natural for you. Yeah, thank you. So I'm also doing, uh, I do, I'm a life and wellness coach and accredited life and wellness coach through the International Coaching Federation. Um, so I started a business called Conscious Direction earlier, I guess it's almost been a year now. Um, and when I first started, I was kind of focused on youth empowerment. But as time has gone on, I'm really starting to see a need for coaching caregivers. And, you know, coaching is not therapy. And we're very clear about that as coaches. You know, we're we're here from today forward. We're your co-pilot. We ask you the questions for you to figure out what you need for you rather than me telling you and giving you advice and diving into your past, right? Stuff like that. So the caregiving stuff has kind of come out, I think, twofold for me, having Darius. So as a parent who's a caregiver, but then also having a parent who has MS. And growing up kind of in that caregiving role at a younger age, and now at an older age, even though I'm not my mom's full-time caregiver, I do participate. And um, I think 
that I can safely say that caregiving is one of the most stressful um, and people don't, you wouldn't understand until you do it. And it's on either end, right? When you have to be with somebody 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it is really, really taxing. Chrissy, thanks for coming on and talking to me. And uh, I will see and talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me on today.